Romans 12, 9 is the text that I've taken for today. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. This is kind of Paul's sum off to his, uh, in his letter to the Romans. A series of statements which for him characterize the Christian life. And for me, some of those statements ring so true as to what I've discovered over the 15 years that I've been here. To explore these lessons is to explore me and my walk as a man, discipling men, growing, seeking to have a, a real Christian faith, but also then seeking to meaningfully connect with my sisters in Christ and uh, all of my Bible schoolers who I forgot to mention earlier on. Any Bible school people here in the house? Great, good to have all of you. That was very tame, <laughs> but I know that you love me. We seek to uh, journey these together. So brothers and sisters, my final four thoughts for you today. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. I think that Paul puts this so particularly for a reason. We have incredibly zealous people who love to be up front, center, love, have people who are fervent and full of fire and passion but that which grounds everything is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. When I came to the church, I sat here on the front row for about uh, half an hour before Christian took me into a cell group. And within a month, Christian's question to me was, do you feel welcome when you come to Kensington Temple? I said, no. He said, well, what are you gonna do about it? I said, well, someone who's been here longer should do something about it. I didn't you know, have that kind of nice defer to your pastor tone at that point in time. So he put me on the door to welcome people to church. I was more like a bouncer than a steward. Um, people got scared when they were walking past me to come in. Uh, but in that place, I began to learn a heart of service. And I used to grumble, you know, I used to be smiling to people and they'd be like, inside, you rude people. Can't you just say hi to me? I don't have to open the door for you. And slowly, slowly things began to change in my heart. And I think that was necessary to take me to a place where I would be able to serve Colin. Now, about uh, a year to being in the church, I suddenly hear this weird, Gabriel, Gabriel. And what happened is Colin had said to everyone, turn around, say hi to each other, um, offer each other a little prayer or whatever. And in that moment from the front, I'm there, he's going, Gabriel, Gabriel, see me afterwards, see me afterwards. I was like, what is going on? And that began this journey to go and serve Colin. Initially, he asked me to stay for three years. It became 10 and officially uh, 12, I think, and then carried on serving still. I mean, I was even MOTing his car last week. So, um, but I've been, I've been so grateful for the lessons that I've learned uh, with him. I've been the case carrier, the lunch cooker, the tea maker, the driver, and then going on missions to be a bouncer, security guard, minister, all of that good stuff. But I've seen um, incredible, incredible things. I mean, uh, things I've seen in a few years of doing that, it would take someone a lifetime to see. And to be able to sit for hours in a car with Colin and ask questions, difficult questions, questions where he says that stupid question, it happens a lot. Um, and you know, we, we've been to Toronto 
in that place, it was incredible to watch Colin flowing in his gift. He got, got off the platform, walked the aisles, and any time he got within 50 feet of a, a situation, he was just calling out word of knowledge after word of knowledge. Person's just lost a loved one, your shoulder's frozen, your knee's broken, you've got uh, cancer, bang, 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 bang. And I'm just seeing all over people standing up in response and receiving uh, healing, receiving words of... Uh, of inner healing, it was incredible. I've been places where we've seen people get out of wheelchairs, I've seen cancers disappear, I've seen blind eyes open, um, and they are things that will change your life forever. And so for me, I can't say much more because me and Colin will have to have a chat to say thank you. Um, but then coming to serve you, to pray to prepare to live a lifestyle where we seek to model what we believe about Jesus. I believe that the most important foundation for anyone to grow in if you want to get serious with God and, and receive the call of God for your life is to be a faithful servant, to be someone that stands up and is consistent. You're where you, you are, where you say you'll be, and you do what you'll say you will do. And I've asked the Lord a question often, Lord, why? I've got a chemistry degree. I've got a master's in biblical studies from King's College London. Why am I serving? What is going on? What is this about? And so um, a lesson for you from 15 years of service. I'm a man of strong opinions and I'm very quick to offer my opinion. But I've learned through 15 years of service that you have to earn the right to speak. Um, and so if you are someone out here who has lots of opinions, we would love to hear them. And we'd love to see you grow in the right to speak because we need people standing all over the city, all over the nation, with the right to speak from the life that they have lived and cultivated. If you know me, my ear is nailed to the door. It's just the house is very big. It includes uh, New Zealand all the way from here. So I love this house. Second uh, lesson for you or sharing for you is impossible dreams. Um, you saw just a few minutes ago all this amazing group of guys come up here on the platform and stand, stand with me. And we've been standing with, with each other since 2010, some of us, 2009, some of us, standing together. Now, when I first came into the church, um, Christian received me into a cell, but there was an evident huge gap of men between 20 and 40 who were serious about God. And I began to dream with God. I was like, God, you know what? I believe that this house can be full of men lifting up holy hands to worship God, men who would be leaders in their home, workplace, church, community. And so we've built over the period of time this group of brothers, this band of brothers called the 300. It should be on the edge of you. It should be. We built this band of brothers called the 300. We got um, three things that we, we live by, sons. We're sons to God. It's been um, such a, uh, a revelation to see men stepping into their call to follow Jesus. Our verse is Romans 8, verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. I know that that is an eschatological phrase, but it also refers to something that God is doing in our midst today, that he is bringing out his sons to worship him and ladies, daughters to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we've been challenging men to rise up in knowing that they're sons. Some of them come as orphans. They've had dads that are absent fathers. 
they've been abused, they've not known what it is to, to, to have a father. And in the time that we've been together, we've released them into a fresh revelation of their adoption as sons. And so one of the great privileges is to see these guys not just knowing that they're loved, but then learning how to love the people around them. The second of that is brothers. You know, you would be really uncomfortable if you sat in a men's meeting with me. We'll be talking about everything. And you've probably heard me talk about a lot, some of my struggles over the years, whether it's wrestling with mental health issues last year in terms of stress and depression and so on, or talking about different uh, things that beset men when we talk about the fact that they uh, might be dealing with lust or pornography and so on. We have serious, serious conversations. But what that's done is permission guys to be real about their lives, to share openly and radically about what they're facing. You know why? Because I fervently believe that no one should walk in loneliness, no one should walk in isolation, no man should be tempted to commit suicide, which is our highest killer in London here for that particular age group. So we believe that every man should have a brother that they can be open with and live life with and share and reach out to, amen? And, um, and the third one is soldiers. So we're called to be soldiers in the world for Christ. When you see these guys, we, we had a gathering a few days ago and someone who was new to the gathering said, there was a lot of big muscly men here. <laughs> um, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, well, we eat a lot of meat. <laughs> um, but, you know, we use our strength to win others. We use our strength to let others know what it is to be a human being, what it is to live life as someone that is valued and loved. And we use our strength to esteem others. Just earlier, we were downstairs with the young adults in our hub cafe. Wonderful, where's my hub people at? Yeah, yeah. Great to have you. Um, and they had so lovingly and caringly put together a spoken word, a video, a song, and a, pr and a letter to me. Um, but to be able to champion them and say, you know what, God has a call on their life, that he is doing something significant in and through that generation. Another one that I don't know if you've heard me talk about, I've, I have got so much respect for single mums. Huge respect for single mums, especially knowing how hard it is to look after two kids with, with Rebecca. I don't know how you single mums do it. And what, why I say I've got huge respect for you, if you're here, I'm just trying not to make anyone nervous, is because you come faithfully to church. When there could be people that judge you, could be, could be people that ask questions in their head and in their heart, and yet you're like, you know what, <laughs> whatever that was, I know I need God, so I'm going to be here. <laughs> and that's such an incredible testimony to f your faith, your courage. And if you, any of you need to know what faith looks like, chat to a single mom, please. Please. Amen. So that for me was realizing an impossible dream. They said it couldn't be done. They said that the 300 couldn't exist and yet they're here and they're gonna be so much more fruitful than with me not here than they were with me here. And I'm looking forward to the great testimony of that, lads. Amen. Third one, radical obedience. This is a challenge and it's something that every one of us will be challenged with at some point. The scripture says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. We we're in a season of 24-7 prayer as a group of guys in the month of April. We covered the whole month in prayer. Guys were waking up at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., taking their lunch breaks to pray and so on. We've been doing that again this month in preparation for next month's Energize, where I think there's also going to be some kind of 24-7 prayer happening through the church. But in those seasons, you know when you pray, God tells you to do stuff. Um, and 
for me, one of the challenges is that obedience is better than excellence. And sometimes we're called to do things that are outside of our comfort zone, even if it puts your family in the hands of God, even if it puts your future, your calling in the hands of God, trusting God is on the other side is key. So when you're praying, when you're seeking God, I want to encourage you to be someone that will radically obey whatever it looks like. And for all of you that are right now in the comfort zone, I know how comfortable the comfort zone is, but I also want to encourage you to live the life that God has called you to. Finally, final point. Sometimes people come to me and ask me, Gabriel, how is it that you've done everything that you've done? I'm really grateful for this opportunity for a rest. As of tonight, we're going to go to my mom's house. We're going to relax. I'm going to be unemployed. And that's going to be so weird. Hopefully, I will have the discipline to stay unemployed for at least three months. Because there's been 15 years here of 60 hours a week minimum. We're here Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, some Thursday nights, Saturdays, all day Sundays. It's an incredible responsibility and privilege in that looking after the Bible college, being an associate minister, and doing a master's while having a one-year-old baby, it was a bit intense. You get to the point where you've not had sleep for a few few days and your kid's now slapping you on the face at 6 a.m. saying, Daddy, Daddy, come play with me. And you're like... And then if, if friend, not that I would ever strike my child. <laughs> um, just for the record. Um, uh, or when you take a phone call and your friend's just blown their life up and you're like, dude, I told you exactly what you needed to do. Why didn't you listen to me? You know, you have all of these wrestles and things that are going on in your life. And, you know, I've been on the journey. I've been 15 years figuring out this stuff. And so this is the lesson for me. Excellence isn't the solution. It's really good to talk about excellence. It's really good to desire excellence, but often excellence breeds a haughty heart. We believe too much of ourselves. We believe that we are better than the people around us. Service, maybe that's a good solution. True, but it's possible to serve with a grumbling heart. It's possible to be someone that carries around in your heart bitterness. Why are you sitting down while I'm busy picking up your tissue that you've thrown on the floor or the empty cup of coffee that's been spilled everywhere? And then there was this weird word, love. And I couldn't reconcile that with my BR nature. (laughs) Excellence and service were much easier for me. But Ephesians 3.14 says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every father in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the lesson that I've learned. Jesus warned the love of many would grow cold, but we are called rather to stoke the fires of our hearts with the love of God. The scripture is clear. The one way you will have the strength to do anything that God gives you to do is to spend time on your face before Jesus, to forgive frequently, and to love passionately. Now, I'm not talking about lovey-dovey love. I'm not that kind of a guy. But I say to my brothers all the time, I love you. I say to my wife and my kids all the time, I love you. I even say it to Scott sometimes. But you see, living the way of love is risky. 
it's about the biggest risk-taking endeavor that you can step out into as a Christian. Because we're always asking ourselves the question, will people trample my efforts? Will they misunderstand me? Will they undervalue the fact that I'm trying to reach out to them? Won't they see me as soft or mushy or vulnerable? Love and the path of love is peppered with sacrifice, with pain, with disappointment, with failed efforts. But it is also the most excellent way, the way of hope, the way of faith, and the way of life. We're all called to walk in love, and so this is my final thought for you tonight. You, Christians, people full of the Spirit of God, you are most powerful when you love.